Across all branches of the military, we are honoring our veterans, the ones that made it possible for us to enjoy the American values and freedoms we love and cherish today. Hi, I'm Peyton Luke, and you're watching First Liberty Live. Today, as we discuss the military and celebrate our veterans, I am joined by Mike Berry, and he is Director of Military Affairs here at First Liberty Institute. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Peyton. Of course. So later, I really want to get into some of our military cases, and you will give us a little bit of a status update in those cases. But right now, just to start everything out, I want to discuss what does it mean to you as a veteran when someone, maybe even just a stranger in passing, comes up to you and acknowledges and gives thanks for your service to our country? You know, it's always a topic of conversation among service members and veterans is how do you respond when somebody thanks you for your service? Uh, because for many of us, we're just doing what we feel is our, our duty, right? It's, a, it's sort of a, a noble duty. And, and uh, the way I've always looked at it is when somebody thanks me for my service, uh, honestly, if I could, I would say to them, the best way to thank a service member or a veteran is to live a life that is worthy of their sacrifice. And what I mean by that is uh, veterans and service members have made a lot of sacrifices in order for us as Americans to be free. And the best way to thank them is to go out and celebrate those freedoms, to live your life out uh, the way that you should, right? Enjoying the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans under our Constitution, uh, the freedoms that so many people in other countries don't have and aren't able to enjoy. And so that's really the best way to thank a service member or a veteran is to live a life that, that honors the sacrifices that they made. Mm -hmm. And considering we probably have quite a few people that are watching that have given such sacrifice to our country, maybe family members whose their member gave the ultimate sacrifice of their life. I just want to give you the opportunity to look into the camera and just give your appreciation to those veterans as well as their family members. Yeah, as somebody who grew up in this country, uh, loving America, uh, and just loving the freedom that we have and being able to live my life uh, under the blanket of freedom, I am grateful to everyone who went before me, who served, uh, and especially those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, I will never be able to repay you for everything you've given for us, uh, but I am one of millions and millions of Americans who are grateful for your service and your sacrifice. So, and to transition a little bit now to talk about the current status of the military, um, with military recruitment and enrollment numbers being down, what do you think are some of the primary causes that are making men and women not want to go into the military at such a staggering rate compared to past generations? Well, before understanding or discussing what's causing recruiting and retention numbers to, to go down, what's causing Americans to not join the military or not stay in the military, I think you first have to understand what historically has caused them to join the military. And historically, uh, if you just look at demographics and statistics, you'll see that most people who join the military actually come from 11 states. Uh, there are 11 states from whom more, more Americans will join the military from, than any other, and that's just a, a statistical reality. Um, and there may be lots of theories as to why it is, uh, but that's, that's reality. And the other statistical, the other two demographics that 
tell us who is most likely to join the military. First are what we call legacies, right? So people who have a close family member, a relative, or even a close friend who served in the military. Uh, so I, I would be a legacy. Uh, I've got many cousins and uncles who served in the military, and I followed in their footsteps, I, although I will say I'm the first to, uh, to join the Marine Corps. So Semper Fi to all my fellow Marines. It's always good to be, uh, it's always good to have a Marine in the family, I think. And um, the other demographic, in addition to people from those 11 states that are predominantly southern states, people who come from legacies uh, are people who identify as being highly religious. Uh, and that one may be a little bit less uh, intuitive. I think people, you know, probably can sense that yeah, a lot of Southerners join the military for whatever reason. A lot of people with close family members or relatives join the military. That makes sense. Uh, most people don't realize that people who say, I am, I am a person of faith, are more likely, are significantly more likely to join the military than people who say, I don't identify as a person of faith. I think that's really important for us to understand because then when we look at the recruiting and retention issues, what we see is the military is becoming increasingly hostile to people of faith, or even from the other two d demographics that I mentioned. I'll give you one example. The Secretary of the Army, Christine Warmuth, who was recently asked about the Army's recruiting and retention crisis, said she thinks the problem are the legacy recruits, that we have too many people who are being recruited from legacies. And she even said, because the problem is that she's concerned that the Army's becoming what she called a warrior caste. And I, I couldn't help but you know, have a puzzled look at, at when she said that because I'm thinking, who else is going to do the fighting other than the warriors, you know? And, and so, um, but nevertheless, uh, that was her position, was that we shouldn't be recruiting people who are legacies. Uh, we should be trying to recruit people who, I guess, historically are not likely to join the military. Um, but then, as I mentioned, uh, the military is also becoming increasingly hostile to people of faith, and I know we're going to talk about some of First Liberty's cases that highlight exactly what's happening to show that. But, so, you know, to summarize my long answer to your question, Peyton, uh, I think what's happening in our military is we are losing sight of who joins the military and why, and even when we do have an understanding of who joins and why, we're either ignoring it or actually going in the opposite direction and telling those people that they're no longer welcome or they're not desired in the military. And then, well, what else should we expect but to see, well, if you're, if you're turning away what is essentially your target audience, then you should expect to see your numbers declining. And that's what we're seeing now. And you just had the perfect lead in to our next segment right here. So we have several military cases where some of the leadership has been hostile towards some of our clients. And some of these cases include the Navy SEALs, Shields of Strength, and most recently, J.C. Arborough. So I just want you to give us a quick status update on those cases, as well as a couple highlights that you think um, the audience would be really interested in knowing. Well, let's start with the Navy SEALs, because that's the one that most people are probably familiar with. Uh, First Liberty Institute represents the, the Navy SEALs, along with actually, when we turned it into a class action, uh, everybody in the Navy who asked for a religious accommodation from the COVID vaccine. Uh, yes, we are still talking about, unfortunately, the DOD's COVID vaccine mandate. Uh, but the truth is that litigation is costly and very, very time consuming. It takes a long time. And the SEALs case is no different. It's no exception to that 
you know, to that general reality. And so we are still in the process of fighting on behalf of our Navy SEAL clients and everyone else in the Navy. Uh, and really, you know, people will say, well, wait a minute, I thought the vaccine mandate was repealed. Yes, it was. Uh, but that doesn't mean that people who are serving in uniform still aren't suffering some of the repercussions of that. And so that's what we're trying to do is ensure that if and when we finally resolve this case and that the case is over, you know, we, the lawyers at First Liberty, we get to go back home or go back to our lives. We want to make sure that those serving in uniform are able to go back to their lives as well and, and their careers and that their careers weren't prematurely ended or harmed. And so that's what we're making sure. We're just making sure that uh, the government uh, does not use this as an opportunity to find a back door to continue to punish our service members. On the Shields of Strength case, uh, it, we're in a little bit of a, a lull. You know, this is part of the natural life cycle of a, of a lawsuit. Uh, you sort of have these periods of, of uh, adrenaline and excitement, uh, even a little chaotic, but then you have long periods where you're sort of, okay, uh, we're in a holding pattern, if you will. That's a little bit of where we are right now in the Shields of Strength case. Uh, just for those who aren't familiar, we represent Shields of Strength, which is a, a, a family-owned, faith-based business uh, located here in Texas that uh, they, they make replica dog tags. So these are not government-issued dog tags. These are replica dog tags that you can, or at least at one time you could buy you know, on Amazon or you could go to the military exchange and buy them. And on one side, it might say something like, you know, proud army veteran or proud army wife or something like that. Uh, uh, and on the other side, it would have an encouraging and motivational Bible verse. And for years, uh, shows the strength and, and its owner, Kenny Vaughn, was able to make these and, and produce them and distribute them to our service members really as an act of good faith and goodwill and solidarity with our, our troops until a couple of years ago, the Department of Defense decided that it wasn't going to allow him to do that anymore, uh, which is really a shame. But, but as you said, Peyton, really highlights mm -hmm. how hostile our military has become to faith. And faith, I mean, I know this is a different topic, but faith is a force multiplier. You know, it's a term we use in the military to explain that when something is enables you, empowers you to do even more than you thought possible. And faith has absolutely been that for our service members. I speak from personal experience. And so uh, we had to sue the Department of Defense, unfortunately, to try to open the door for Shields of Strength to, to continue to provide these sources of inspiration and encouragement to our troops. And then finally, the new one, uh, the one that I would guess people are probably the least familiar with is Jace Yarbrough. Uh, Jace is a, uh, actually just a, a private citizen like me who happens to be in the reserve. I'm in the Marine Corps Reserve. Uh, as you can see, I'm here today as Mike Barry at First Liberty. I'm not in my Marine Corps uniform uh, or you know performing my Marine Corps duties. And Jace Yarbrough is also a member of the reserve. He happens to be in the Air Force Reserve. And he was asked to give a retirement speech at a friend's retirement ceremony. And his friend was retiring from the Air Force. So Jace went there as a private citizen, paid his own way, wasn't on military orders. Uh, the, the ceremony took place on private property and uh, was attended by friends and family. But someone in the audience who happened to be in the Navy uh, didn't like what Jace said at the retirement. What did Jace say that could be so you know, uh, controversial. Well, he quoted from C.S. Lewis and he quoted from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And when the Air Force found out that somebody in the audience didn't like what Jace said, they formally reprimanded him. Jace happens to be an officer in the Air Force Reserve. And so anyone who's ever served in the military knows 
that if you're an officer and you get a formal reprimand, your career's over. You will never promote again. Uh, you will probably never get any good assignments. And so uh, we had to sue the Air Force, unfortunately, on behalf of Jace in order to vindicate his rights, his rights of free exercise, his rights of free speech. So that case was just filed recently. Uh, we are, so we're still in the very early stages and we are gonna fight with everything we have on behalf of Jace because if the Air Force can do this to a, uh, a great person like Jace who just wanted to cite from his faith and cite from history, you know, C.S. Lewis, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, ironically was a, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian dissident who was put into a gulag because he dared to say something that his government didn't approve of. And the, yet, Jace Yarbrough was punished, right, by the government because it didn't approve of something that he said. So there's a little bit of a, a tinge of irony there, uh, and we're going to fight as long as it takes to get justice for Jace, for Kenny Vaughn and Shields of Strength, and for our Navy SEALs. Yeah. And that was a fantastic rundown. and an update that you just gave. And for those of you that are watching at home and maybe you're interested in a few more details or information about these cases individually, be sure to check out FirstLibertyLive.com because we have entire episodes devoted to each one of these cases. So be sure to check that out. And Mike, I also wanted to ask you, um, what would you say to the next generation regarding their view and respect for our country's military and the American values that they defend? Well, I would say that despite what we've just said about the increasing level of hostility in our, in our military, first and foremost, uh, our military is, continues to be one of the most respected and trusted institutions in the nation. Even at its lowest point, which was probably during the Vietnam War, right, a very unpopular war, politically speaking, in our nation, uh, which was probably the low watermark for the, the trust and respect that people in this country had for the military, it still was far above our other major institutions. Um, and, and, and so that continues to be the case today. And the vast majority of people who serve in the military, I think, do so for honorable and noble reasons. Uh, even those in command, I think that for the most part, our commanders in the military want to do the right thing. They're trying to do the right thing. Uh, I do think one of the problems is they are just there's a lack of education and understanding about uh, how constitutional rights and military service play out together and how, uh, you know, as, as I'm sure you've heard me say before, Peyton, and, and our viewers have probably heard me say, you do give up some of your freedoms when you join the military. You do not give up your religious freedom. Mm -hmm. Our courts have made that clear. The Constitution makes that clear. And so uh, that's what I want people to know is that it's still a noble calling to serve in uniform on behalf of this nation. This is a nation that's still worth fighting for mm -hmm. and still worth defending. You know, President Reagan famously said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction and it must be fought for and preserved. And so that's what our military does. And by extension, that's what First Liberty does, is that we are here, we do what we do so that our service members can continue to do what they do, but do so enjoying the full freedom and the full promise of the Constitution. And just to round everything out, is there anything else you would like to add before we let you go? Well, I'd just say to our, our, our viewers, you know, uh, on Veterans Day, uh, which is, you know, historically 11-11, uh, uh, right? And it started after World War I, which was the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month. Uh, just pause 
to reflect on what it means to be an American and what it means to have the freedoms that we have. If you pay any attention at all to current events around the world, you'll see America is a pretty special place and we're pretty unique. And that's not by accident. That's by design. And just as President Reagan said, we have to continue to fight to preserve that. And so as First Liberty Institute stands alongside our service members, our veterans, and the organizations that support them, we can't do that unless patriotic Americans who love our country and love our freedom come alongside us and support us as we support our military. So if you love our military and you love our country, uh, then I encourage you to partner with First Liberty in supporting them. Well, Mike, I just want to say thank you for your service and thank you also for all that you do at First Liberty to help defend your fellow service members. We appreciate you and we appreciate your time and we're so happy to have you on the team. Thanks for having me. Thank you to our veterans for defending and fighting for our freedom. Because of you, we have our beautiful country and the opportunity to uphold the American values that so many have given their lives for. Our veterans help make it possible for us to continue our work of defending religious liberty, and we want to do our best to honor their sacrifices by protecting the United States Constitution. If you would like to support the work of First Liberty and defending American values and religious liberty, you can do that by partnering with us. All you have to do is go to firstlibertylive.com and look for the big red give button on our website. Thank you so much for your generosity and your support is how we can continue fighting for religious liberty and the American values we all love and hold so dear. First Liberty, fighting for what matters most.